The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hello, New York Giants fans, and welcome to your Valentine's Views podcast for Monday, an actual victory Monday for your New York Giants, something that's been few and far between during the 2023-24 NFL season. And here to to help me break things down and discuss the state of your Giants, as always, the day after games is Big Blue Views, Tony Del Genio. Morning, Tony. How are you? I'm doing just fine, Ed. How are you? I'm good. Folks, before we uh, before we get into it, please remember to like, share, and subscribe if you're watching us on YouTube, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts across the Big Blue View Radio Network. All right, Tony, how do we do this? The Giants won a game. How do, how do we talk about this? What do we do? I don't know. I'm, I'm if confused. If you're a Giants fan, you should be happy. Yes, and, and, and actually... And the other thing I'll say, okay, is that it's not a matter of what you say. It's a matter of what you were feeling while you were watching the game. And you could, because you can't control the feelings that are welling up inside you. And either you're, you're happy to see them doing well, or you're not happy to see them doing well. And I'm, and I'm glad you started there because that is where I wanted to start. You know, the, uh, the column that I wrote last night after the game, there are people who are, who are upset that the Giants won this game. They wanted the Giants to finish 2-15. and 15. They wanted to guarantee the first or second overall pick. And I'm sorry. And if you're one of those fans and you're listening to the show, I'm sorry, but I don't understand that attitude. I don't understand how you call yourself a fan. I don't understand how, if you're watching your team play, you can be rooting for that team to lose. I get the fact that, that oh, well, the more games we lose, the higher draft pick we get. But I, but that draft pick guarantees you nothing. So I, I don't understand that I want my team to lose attitude. I just don't. Yeah, and and I'll, I'll throw one more thing that, that kind of gets a little bit to that, your, your last point. You can't be so sure that Caleb Williams and Drake May are the two best quarterbacks in the draft. That's certainly how they're ranked right now. There's no question about that. But we don't know who the best quarterback from this draft is going to be once they get into into the NFL. And so if you think you have no shot to get a better quarterback, if that's what you think the Giants need, if you think you have no shot to get a better quarterback, if you don't have the number one or the number two pick, 
you're really fooling yourself a little bit because in many years, the best quarterback to come out of a draft has not been the guy that was drafted number one and certainly not, not number two. Those two may turn out to be the only two great quarterbacks in the draft, but neither of them might turn out to be great or one of them might turn out to be great. And so, yeah, being, being upset in advance, I think is, is reading too much into things we don't know about. Well, absolutely. And, you know, I've watched, let's, let's talk about those two quarterbacks quickly. Caleb Williams has been the number one guy forever and ever, but there's a lot of questions now about Caleb Williams. And maybe that's just people trying to poke holes in Caleb Williams Maybe it's overreaction to him being emotional and to him, you know, refusing to talk to the media the other night. But there's no guarantee that that Caleb Williams is going to be a great NFL quarterback. I watched Drake May the other day, who some people think is a, is is going to be you know, the first or second overall pick. I watched Drake May, and he went 16 out of 36 against Clemson, against a team that has a whole bunch of NFL caliber players on its defense. And I need to study Drake may a lot more. I need to look at, at, at what he's at, what he's all about. But that leaves me with a question about what Drake may can be at the next level. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's, I'm not going to overreact to one game, but there's no guarantee. Shoot. You think the, uh, the Houston Texans are 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 happy that that uh, that C.J. Stroud wasn't the first overall pick this past off season. Right, right, and and you know going back to Caleb Williams, okay, he was playing against a good UCLA defense, and and all season he hasn't looked good against the better defenses that that he's come up against, and so you know it shows you that that there are limits to what any of these players can do at at this level, and. Uh, people compared Caleb Williams a lot to Patrick Mahomes because of his kind of creativity and ability to to do things off schedule and 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 throw from different arm angles and things like that. People have to remember that that Patrick Mahomes was not the first quarterback drafted in 2017. Patrick Mahomes was drafted number 10. All right, and I think he turned out okay. Last time I checked, that people weren't didn't in Kansas City didn't seem to be too disappointed that they had Patrick Mahomes. So, meanwhile, Mitch Trubisky was taken number two, and and obviously he has not succeeded uh, except for one year really in the NFL. And so you just don't know what these guys are going to look like when they get to the pros. It has a lot to do, I think, with the coaching they get when they get there. And that's another thing, right? And if you have confidence in the coaches, the coaches might be able to maximize what they have. And uh, at this point, I think it's it's just too early to to draw conclusions about, about how you're doomed or not doomed, depending on where you fall in this year's draft. Jaden Daniel looked you know, look crazy on, on Saturday night. On the other hand, it was against Georgia state. So how much, you know, do you, do you count six TDs against a team like Georgia state, which is not in the same league as, uh, uh, as LSU and the, the league they play in is. So I think, you know, at, at this point, do you really want the giants as an entire team to be so inept that by the end of the season, you say, my God, there's there's ten different positions we need to upgrade at. Or do you want to actually see them so sh- show some promise at some positions and think that maybe there are fewer things they need to upgrade? 
Absolutely. And before we get off this particular topic, I want to throw a couple more examples out there. Lamar Jackson, who's won an MVP, was the 32nd overall pick. And what was he? Maybe the fourth quarterback taken in that draft class. I don't remember exactly. <laughs> Fifth quarterback taken in that draft class. Uh, you and know, in Brock- the draft, and in that draft class, I remind you, the first two quarterbacks taken were Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold. You had to you had to go one two in order to get those two quarterbacks, I believe. And, and then you know, people last night on on Twitter or the platform formerly known as Twitter were throwing the Trevor Lawrence one and Zach Wilson two thing at me. And as far as I'm concerned. That's a mistake by the New York Jets. That's a mistake by the New York Jets for overrating the player and not doing something else. That's that's not to me that's that has nothing to do with with winning and losing and and all of that. That is simply bad scouting by the New York Jets to to think that that player deserved to be the second overall pick in the draft just because just because you think you need a quarterback. You don't take a quarterback unless you're in love with that guy. And I think that's a that's that's on the New York Jets. That's that has really nothing to do with draft position. That's bad scouting. And of course, we can add one more thing. After yesterday, you got to say, well, the Giants have already found their quarterback. <laughs> oh, oh, I don't know about that. But listen, it is it it is Tommy DeVito's world right now. We are all living in it, but and I don't want to be Debbie Downer. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be that guy. But it, last year, when Mike White got to play a game or two for the New York Jets, everybody thought Mike White was the be all and end all, you know, as as the quarterback, and thought he should be the number one guy. And 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 where is Mike White now? I, I'm not even sure I know where Mike White is, but yeah, I forget I what feel, team he signed it on. I, I feel really good for Tommy DeVito. I'm happy for the kid. The kid played well on Sunday. He's shown toughness. He's shown some accuracy. I still don't think he's got a big arm on the deep ball, but he's shown the ability when he can set his feet and when he sees the play. He's shown the ability to put the ball on target. You know, he he, he showed he showed toughness in in taking all of the hits that he took yesterday. But let's pump the brakes on Tommy DeVito being the quarterback of the future. I think what Tommy DeVito is showing is that Tommy DeVito belongs in the league somewhere as as a backup. You know, he belongs in the league. He can do some things. But my goodness, you know, nine sacks yesterday, and, and I I would venture that that half of them were on him. Four or five of those were on him. As poorly as the offensive line has played this year, that really should have been a four or five sack game. Oh, and 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 a a listener points out that Mike White is in Miami. Just so that just so that so that we uh, we clarify that where he gets he gets to watch Tua every day. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and 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 really, you know, yeah, just to be serious about about the quarterback situation, uh, you know, what what Tommy DeVito 
is really doing is auditioning to be the Giants QB3 next season. Or QB2, possibly. Possibly Possibly. QB2. QB two, but I, but I I don't really think so. But but but, but possibly he should have a chance. But, to, he should have a chance. But, yeah, if that. if if they have to keep Daniel Jones because of contract and and we don't know. I mean, there's speculation about how the organization feels about Jones at this point. But Jones is going to be there. A draft pick of some level is almost certainly going to be there, whether it's first round, second round, whatever. So yes, Tommy DeVito is auditioning in some respects to make sure he stays on the roster next year. Yeah. And yeah. And I think if there's, if there's one lesson that we've learned this year from, from what's happened to the giants is that you really need depth on your roster to truly compete in the NFL. And there's no place you need it more than quarterback. I mean, the Giants aren't the only ones in in a mess of a situation at quarterback. And what you're seeing around the league is that despite the fact that the league has all of these rules in there to prevent you from hurting the quarterback. And I mean, and sometimes they're ridiculous. Now you you lay a pinky on the quarterback and they call you for roughing. I mean, it's it, it's really gotten it's really gotten absurd as to the things that they that they call roughing on. I think absolutely. In the but despite all of that overreaction to quarterbacks getting hurt and their attempt to fix it, quarterbacks are still getting hurt a lot in the NFL. And there are a lot of teams that that have a mess and have to trade for a quarterback in midseason because their their quarterback goes down. And so you really do need depth at that position if you hope to compete at all. Absolutely, and the Giants theoretically with Tyrod Taylor have one of the NFL's better backups. The The biggest issue with Tyrod Taylor is he seems to get hurt whenever he gets any sort of extended action, which is the situation that the Giants are in right now. And you could also say about Daniel Jones. <laughs> right. And but but you're absolutely right. You know, and and the thing about quarterbacks in this day and age is all of those protections apply in the pocket. But Eli Manning always used to say that that the best and safest place for a quarterback was in the pocket because of all of those protections, because he could see everything coming. And the place where the quarterback is not protected is when he starts to run or when they use him as a runner. And that's where these guys are getting hurt a lot of times now is once they get out of the pocket, when they're running, when they don't have those protections. My goodness, the shots that Sam Howell took yesterday on that touchdown run. Um, I don't know if you saw the, the Minnesota game last night, but for some crazy reason on a third and inches or fourth and inches, the Vikings decided to put TJ Hawkinson under center and pitched the ball to Josh Dobbs, who not only fumbled, but he took a shot that almost broke him in half. Why would you expose your quarterback to that on purpose? I I don't get it. Yeah, a degree in aerospace engineering will only get you so far in that situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not that's not going to help you in that situation. Nope. Maybe maybe that degree in in engineering should have led Josh Dobbs to say, uh, guys. Let's take that one out of the playbook before we run it. 
<laughs> I mean, aerospace engineering is all about failure modes and things like that when you're designing something. So he should know. <laughs> you would know better than I would. Tony. You would know better than I would on that one. Um, let, let me let me ask you a question here. Um, Short term question before Sunday's game. I would have said to keep the locker room, to give them the best opportunity. There's, it was a no brainer that when he was healthy enough to play and come off IR, that Tyrod Taylor had to be the quarterback. I'm not so sure that's the case. Um, at, you know, after the way DeVito played on, on Sunday, what does Brian Daybolt do? I mean, do we wait for do we wait and see, you know, what what we see from DeVito this coming Sunday? But I mean, what what does he do for the for the last three or four games if he's got both guys? I, I I've thought about this a little bit, and I I think I come down on the side of them still starting Tyrod Taylor once he comes back from his injury because ultimately he's the more experienced quarterback. He showed that he can move the team. Uh, I mean, he, and again, you know, by the way, what was Tyrod's best game? It was the other victory against Washington, right. In which, in which he played really well. And, you know, other than his one brain cramp at the end of the first half in Buffalo, he played a pretty good game in, in Buffalo as well, I thought. And so I, I, I think, I think it sends the right message to the team that you let him come back and take over the starting position once he's healthy. I, I'm not I'm not 100% convinced that that's the right move, but but that's probably how I'd lean right now. Yeah, I think if I had to make that decision today, I think I agree with you as well. I think that that DeVito did some really really good things on Sunday. He did some good things the week before, but we also saw in a lot of cases we saw with the sacks and with the pressures and with some of the things that, that, that happened, we also saw the inexperience and yeah, I, I, I think, I mean, now if DeVito goes out and lights it up this coming Sunday against new England, maybe we have to revisit this conversation, but, um, but right now, I think, I think T Taylor has to play when he comes back. So, but interesting decision and uh, and one that Brian Dable is going to have to make in a couple of weeks. And actually, it's it's good that the Giants are facing the opponent. To me, it's good that the Giants are facing the opponent that they are next Sunday because although New England is having a terrible season, also. I think more of their problems are on the offensive side and, and, and specifically at the quarterback position and maybe at the coaching on the offensive side uh, than they are on the defensive side. And, and if there's one thing that we know about New England, we know that Bill Belichick specializes in designing defenses that can give quarterbacks problems. And so you can you can bet that he will be coming up with things to try to fool DeVito into throwing the ball where it looks like there's an opening, but there really isn't an opening. So if DeVito can be successful against a Bill Belichick defense, 
And by the way, Patriots, I, I believe, still have a pretty decent pass rush with uh, Josh Uche and uh, a couple of other uh, people. I'm trying to remember who else they have on their on their pass rush uh, in their pass rush group. But but if he can perform well against that defense, uh, I'll be actually very impressed because I think that's a that's a tough coach to go up against if you're a, a quarterback with very little experience. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Tony, you're absolutely right about Bill Belichick. And and there was a time when I might have been more worried about a Bill Belichick team coming off of, of a bye week, you know, facing a young quarterback like DeVito but the Patriots are bad, but so, so we'll see what happens. I mean, Belichick is still Belichick and he's still capable of that, but Tony, I want to move to a couple of, of other topics. And when I did the kudos and wet willies for, for Monday morning, a couple of folks noted that, that I've been hard on the giants coaching staff recently. And I didn't, offer kudos to to Brian Dable or Mike Kafka or, or Wink Martindale for uh for for Sunday's performance. And and that's true. I didn't. In all honesty, I generally like to keep the coaches out of the kudos and wet willies. I've kind of felt like it it hasn't been possible sometimes this year. But when I think about Sunday, when I think about what we saw from the Giants' offense, what we saw from the passing attack, it reminded me more of what we saw a year ago. We saw a third and inches play action pass down the field. We saw a really well-schemed big play to Daniel Bellinger coming out of the backfield. The, the Both touchdown passes to Saquon Barkley were beautifully schemed and and good calls. We saw the Giants miserable running the ball in the first half, make some adjustments in the second half and get to the edges more. This game reminded me so much more of, of what we saw last year in terms of schematic advantages and play calling than what we've seen much of this year. And it, it, it made me shake my head at it. You know, where has this been all year? Because I thought it was a brilliantly schemed game by Mike Kafka and, and, and Brian Dable. 
Yeah, I, I I think you're you're really on the mark about that. I uh, in my own article last night, I after I wrote it and submitted it, I thought maybe I needed to say something also about about Saquon Barkley because the thing that struck me about the game, I mean, first it was such a weird game for him because he had zero yards rushing in the first half on I think eight carries or something like that. Uh, so you'd say, oh, he was having a terrible game, but of course there were no holes for him to to run through. It wasn't it wasn't uh, his fault at all. The the Commanders were were showing him a lot of heavy boxes, and that's. And that's something that the Giants are facing every week. They get those those heavy boxes from opposing defenses because they don't fear the Giants' passing game. And so what did they do? They used him as a pass receiver. And that sent me back to the Pat Shermer era when, when he would send Barkley out on pass routes. And uh, I remember... I remember uh, uh, Barkley catching, I think, a long touchdown pass in Washington, if I remember, as a as a rookie. Uh, uh, I could be wrong about that, but in one of the games against Washington, as a as a rookie, I think he caught a long touchdown pass. And they've used ever since, really, even starting with the Joe Judge era, they've used Barkley relatively little downfield as a receiver. And I mean, he doesn't have the greatest hands in the world as a pass receiver. I can think of a number of passes that that he's dropped over the years as well. But it's another threat for a team that is is looking for threats in the passing game, and and I really liked that they were using him in in that way yesterday, and I thought he did a great job uh, in that way yesterday. And so maybe I should have given him a shout out in my article, and I was remiss in not doing it. Just bad work by you, Tony. Yeah, just, just bad work. Bad, bad work. work. I don't know. It's no, the, it's, the, it's the it's the deadline pressure. <laughs> <laughs> there, there you go. There you go. Blame the boss. There you go. No, listen. I've also been critical of Barkley. I've said a number of times that he had ninety four catches as a rookie, and yes, Pat Shermer used him as a weapon more. But a lot of those catches were also, you know, third and fifteen dump offs where it was like. We, we, we got nothing. We're third in a mile. We're just going to dump the ball to Saquon and pray that he can make something happen. And I, I remember a lot of the time Giants quarterbacks getting criticized for, for dumping the ball to Saquon so much. I have always said that Saquon is a matchup nightmare for a lot of these guys. He's a matchup nightmare for linebackers. He maybe isn't the route runner, maybe isn't the receiver that, that we thought he was. But as you said, I thought it was a really good thing for the Giants to do uh, on Sunday to, to create some situations for him in the passing game. You had a brilliant catch on the, you know, the first ball that DeVito threw to him best catch I've seen him make in a long, long time. Um, so really good game. Really, I, I just thought really good work by the Giants to, to do some things that we hadn't seen so far this season. And, and like I said, it just, as, as good as it was to see, it just, it made me shake my head and think, and just think, where was this in some other situations for the Giants this year, because it's the kind of stuff we saw all the time last year, you know, being being willing to take a deep shot on on third and inches, you know, which obviously meant they would have gone for it on fourth down, um, you know, just even the way on the on the the shorter Barkley touchdown, even the way that that all the crossing routes created traffic that helped get him open, uh, you know, the 
the deep shot for a touchdown to Darius Slayton on that third and inches. I, I watched the route on that play, and it was a beautifully designed two-man route, it, you know, which, which was a crossing route by both guys that created traffic that helped Slayton get wide open. So I just don't think we've seen enough of that from the Giants. Maybe it's maybe it's been there and the offensive line hasn't allowed it to hasn't allowed it to to develop. But but I thought it was a good development. Yeah, I I I mean I, I've been trying to figure out what happened to them early in the season. And, and you know, just to 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 speak to I think what you're what you're wondering about i i mean i don't i can't explain i don't know but but it, it seems to me as if they were is that they maybe i and i it's just a guess that, that maybe they came into the season and they say okay we're gonna you know this year we're gonna change last year we were run game centric and now we've added things uh the offensive line has more experience we added a new center and uh we've added receivers we've added darren waller blah 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 blah, blah. daniel jones has a year in the system right and so now we're gonna try to to morph into this pass heavy offense that dable ran in buffalo and that kafka has always been a part of in in kansas city and then the first game came along and the cowboys defensive front just destroyed the offensive line and uh and it's like they played i don't know it seems to me like they played scared after that they even played scared against arizona until the second half when they got down by three touchdowns and finally said geez we got to do something <laughs> and, and you know and and they played scared i think against san francisco also and it's like they just didn't have the confidence to implement the game that they that they thought they could i don't know i mean you know you, it's hard for us to know what's what was going through their heads but you're right so much of the stuff that we that we loved about last season watching them how much fun they were to watch last season not just because they were succeeding but because they were they were succeeding in interesting creative ways all of that seemed to be gone this season i don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that but but you're right yesterday we started to see some of that again absolutely and i I think you're right, and I think we've written about that at Big Blue View. I think I have at least. I think that that the Giants wanted to they wanted to advance this offense. They wanted more. They wanted more explosive plays. They they wanted to be more quarterback centric than than running back centric. And I think that that impacted how the games were called. And but I do think we're starting to see more of more of what the Giants were a year ago, at least at least the last couple of weeks anyway, and, and Sunday in particular, that's more of of what what we saw last year from the Giants. So I thought that was a good development. Um so let's Tony, let's talk about the defensive side of the ball. And I'm just gonna say this. Can we please, 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 please stop with the Kayvon Thibodeau was a mistake to be drafted at number five? Can we just please stop with Thibodeau as a bust? And, you know, th this young man is 22 years old. First player in, in the history of, of Wink Martindale as a defensive coordinator to have double-digit sacks because Wink just doesn't build his defenses around one player. And the guy... You know, yesterday he made impact plays in the run, in the pass. He he's a really, really good player, and uh, uh, the 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 criticisms of him just need to stop. 
I agree with that completely. There are games when, when as a fan, you'll be disappointed that he doesn't seem to be getting to the quarterback. But I think we already know, and 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 Wink has said this, and you can see it in in the stats that that he drops Thibodeau into coverage more often than other edge defenders are. I think I think Trevon Walker in, in in Jacksonville is the is the only other kind of leading edge player that's used in coverage and not in pass rush as much as as Kayvon is and the other thing is is that he's really the Giants only outside pass rush threat I mean thank thank goodness they have Dexter Lawrence in the middle because he's just he's an absolute beast but uh but Kayvon is the is really the only outside threat they're getting nothing on the other side of the line so if you're an opposing defense you know, how would you, how would you plan to attack the Giants offense? And I think the answer is, you know, partly you keep a guy on the other side, a tight end on the other side to help out with Thibodeau to chip him or something like that. Right. Or you go away from his side or, you know, there's any number of things you can do to try to avoid his impact. And some, some games it's successful and he's not able to get to the quarterback or some games Wink is just using him differently, but he's had, enough games this year where he's been a dominant force, a really disruptive force to opposing offenses that I think you have to be really happy with, with his development and what they've gotten out of him. Absolutely. And the thing of it is every good player, if you want to call Thibodeau a great player, I think it might be early to do that in his career, but every top tier player has dominant games, dominant moments, and then has quiet games. You look at, I, I don't have Micah Parsons' stats in front of me, but I would venture a guess that Micah Parsons has had a couple of quiet games this year. Those things happen. And, and I get criticized because at times I've written, Kayvon Thibodeau had a quiet game. Kayvon Thibodeau didn't do much today. That doesn't mean I'm saying Kayvon Thibodeau is a bust. It means that you have high expectations for Kayvon. And in this game, in this game, he didn't deliver. He didn't, you know, but every great player has quiet games. You know, every every dominant defensive player has games where they that they don't dominate in. It's it's the overall body of work. And and I don't think anybody can or should complain about the overall body of work you know, from a 22 year old kid who's showing that he can be a top tier, you know, tremendous defensive player. Yeah. And I, and I think it, 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 it's noticed more by giants fans when he doesn't have a dominant game because other than Dexter Lawrence, there's nobody else, nobody else. And so, and so if he's not getting to the quarterback from the outside, nobody is. And then the only, the only thing is, is to have Dexter come up the middle and, and wreck things that way, which he does so, so often. Uh, I mean, it's amazing, but, uh, but that's the thing. He's really, he's really isolated there. And so it's, he's, he's very easy to notice. You compare that. He's compared a lot, obviously to Aiden Hutchinson, who was drafted just a couple of picks before him. But Aiden Hutchinson, first of all, is used almost exclusively 
to to pass rush and and sometimes to play the run, but but almost never in coverage. And the Lions have like three or four different guys on the outside who are really good at rushing the passer. And so he doesn't have to be the guy to get to the quarterback. And 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 that's you know, that's a different situation than Thibodeau is on in, with the Giants. Absolutely. And I realized this morning when I looked at the snap counts in the stat sheet that Aziz Ojolari deserved a wet willy for what he did yesterday. Aziz Ojolari was on the field for 49 snaps and did not make the stat sheet, mm-hmm. not even with an assisted tackle, not with a pressure, not with a quarterback hit, n- nothing. And I know he's been hurt. I know he's been in and out of the lineup. It was questionable for part of the week with an ankle or was on the injury report for a couple days with an ankle injury, but he's out there for 49 snaps and he did nothing. And well, the, it's disappointing. Yeah. Well, and the, and the problem with that for me is that I, uh, in the middle of the game or, or three quarters of the game or through the way, uh, through the game or whatever, I was actually thinking to myself, uh, you know, how many snaps has has Aziz gotten in this game? Because I'm not noticing him, and and sometimes I'm not very disciplined in the way I I watch a football game. I watch football game as a fan, and I'm not paying enough attention to some of the details. But I was thinking to myself, man, I haven't heard his name called today. I haven't seen him getting near the quarterback. I said maybe maybe they're just limiting his snaps. And then, as you say, this morning the snap counts came out in 49 snaps. So I was like, okay, he was out there. He just wasn't doing anything. And yeah, that's that's a real disappointment. And you say maybe, maybe it's his health, but gee, before the season's over, I mean, he's got to step up. And I, th- I think it's pretty obvious they have to draft or or sign as a free agent, uh, uh, an edge rusher to complement Thibodeau on the other side, and and that we should just assume that Ojolari is going to be sort of like the number number three rotational guy next season, and 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 that I could imagine maybe is a viable plan for the future but but it looks like having him as the starting number two if, if for no other reason than the fact that he gets injured so often i think he, they just can't go into the next season with him as the as the number two edge rusher no they they absolutely have to um you know they absolutely have to to upgrade that spot um you know i i just wanted to say i mean i know cordell flott got ejected yesterday and you can't be throwing punches. You can't you, you can't do that. But the reality for me with Cordell Flott is that I'm I'm gaining more and more appreciation for that young man's play. He plays hard. He's done a really good job. He's gained some weight since last season. And he had a really aggressive punch out on a fumble, you know, on a to, to cause the Logan Thomas fumble for me, as we talk about good things about winning games, good things about development, I've pointed out, I think the only team in the league that's played a younger roster than the giants so far this season is the green Bay Packers, but you're looking at development of, of players like Flot, Micah McFadden, Tay Banks, who's had ups and downs and gave up one, if not two touchdown passes yesterday. John Michael Schmitz getting a lot of snaps. Wandale Robinson playing more and more and made some nice plays yesterday. But for me, it's 
it's the development of some of these young players that's so important. A lot of these guys are going to be part of the Giants' future. And when people talk about, oh, no, we don't care if they win, well, I, I care about whether these players develop properly. I care about whether they learn, whether they learn how to win. I care about whether they get better, whether they learn to be professional. Because that all ties into the Giants being a better team long-term, which is really, for me, what this is about. Yeah, and, you know, I, I remember I remember all the joking uh, at last year's draft, the, the 2022 draft, that after the first round, Joe Shane drafted a bunch of guys that Chris Flum hadn't even bothered to profile in all of the, this is, and Chris the is still mad. Chris is still mad about that, by the way. <laughs> yeah. in all of the profiling that he does, he hadn't profiled. I think Wandale Robinson, he hadn't profiled Flott. He hadn't profiled Belton. He hadn't profiled McFadden. Uh, and now you look at those guys. I mean, Belton, has, you know, seeing the field, I don't know that he's done that much yet, but, but Wandale is making plays out there. As you say, Flott's making plays out there. Micah McFadden has, is playing really well. I mean, one of the more amazing things to me about this season, as bad as, as many of the other aspects have been, is that you look at the Giants now between between Okereke and McFadden and even Isaiah, uh, uh, Isaiah Simmons, who had a pick six yesterday to, to seal the game. It's like wow, they've got some they've got some pretty good linebacker play on the Giants, and I might not be going into next year's draft thinking that oh the Giants have to draft a linebacker. Uh, when was the last time you might have said that about about the Giants they didn't have to draft a linebacker? So Joe Shane has done some pretty nice things in the draft with players that a lot of us had never heard of before. Absolutely, and you know it is. I always remind people or try to remind people that that the Giants, since they won that Super Bowl in 2011, beginning of 2012, they've they've been to the playoffs twice. They've won one playoff game. They have been, you know, they, they've played a lot of terrible football. You know, for, for a five-year stretch there, they were tied with the Jets for the worst record in football. Fixing all of that, building the kind of roster, as you said, they've they've got some top end pieces, but fixing all of that depth, you know, getting, you know, they they were fortunate yesterday. Darnay Holmes has been found wanting as a full-time starting slot corner. But when Cordell Flott got ejected yesterday, they had Darnay Holmes to come in the game. And Darnay Holmes had an interception. The Giants don't have that kind of depth in a lot of places across the roster. And, and that's where you want to be to get to be where the Cowboys are, to get to be where the Eagles are. Was it in, in Dallas? You know, what has Duran, Duran Bland done since Trayvon Diggs went out? He's basically morphed into Diggs. And that's where you want to get to, and it takes time it takes time to build that. You only have so much money to spend every year. You only have so many draft picks, and uh, and, and it takes time. And I, I think the development of a lot of these young guys has to be promising. And you know, you mentioned Deron Bland. Uh, the thing about 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 him and the guy he replaced, Trayvon Diggs, and about the Cowboys' defense in general is that they attack the ball. 
they're not just trying to to defend passes they're they're competing uh with the with the receivers for passes and that's something that i've always been disappointed with the giants about for for years is that is that you know they 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 don't get the turnovers they don't get the interceptions but like slowly over you know the last couple of weeks i i think they're they're going at the ball more aggressively it seems to me anyway than they have most of the season and and you know yesterday three three interceptions uh so so i i hope that that's something i'm not just imagining that maybe that they're developing as pass defenders and getting a little bit more confident in what they're doing out there, some of the young guys, so that they they feel that they can, can go after the ball too. Because, I mean, I don't know, you know, I, one of the things I said in, in my piece last night is, how do you win a game where your quarterback gets sacked nine times? Well, six turnovers is is maybe how you explain why the Giants won that game yesterday because you, you know, there's nothing like taking the ball away from the other team to prevent them from from scoring and beating you and so yesterday was was really the first game in a long time that I feel like the Giants won because of of their ability to force turnovers I don't remember the last time they did that nor do I but it should have been seven Tony because Jason Pinnock really needs to hit the jugs machine Really, he really needs to hit the jugs machine because, you know, because because he should have had that one. But, you know, the other thing is a lot of times forced fumbles don't happen by accident. And, and maybe, you know, Bobby O'Karake ripped two balls out yesterday. Um, Flot ripped out one. And, and maybe that is trickling down with the defense and and all of that from just from the way that O'Karake plays. So I think that's a good thing. I, I do think a lot of positive things for the Giants, and we don't know what's going to happen in the draft. We'll figure out where the Giants are going to be. If if Joe Shane really wants Drake May, for example, he'll go get him. He'll 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 move draft picks and he'll go get the guy. Maybe, maybe Jaden. Jaden Daniels is the best quarterback in this class. We'll have to see. But for now, I'm enjoying the fact that the Giants won a game. Yes, it's against Washington, but you know, but but a win is a win. And and I I'm happy for these guys who put their bodies on the line. You know, I'm happy for for all of these guys. There's careers on the line every single week, jobs on the line every single week. Uh, and it means something to those guys to win games. I think it's good for everybody's development. So, so I'm happy that they won. I, I, I wish, I wish every, everyone who called themselves a Giants fan was happy that they won. Yeah. And I think, you know, you're, you're affected a lot by, I don't mean you specifically, we're all affected a lot by the fact that they've had three or four, not just losses, but blowout losses that, that, that made them look like they're an absolutely awful team. But the fact is that, if they call a play on fourth and one late in the Jets game and make the yard, and if Tyrod Taylor calls the pass play that was that was given to him rather than than opting for the for the for the run at the end of the first half, the Giants might be sitting here this morning five and six and a half game be, behind Minnesota for the last wild card berth, and so you know they're they're not. They seem a lot worse than last year, but they're not actually a lot worse 
than last year. And I, and I noticed that Brian Dable, when he spoke to the team afterwards, uh, after the game yesterday, he said to them, you're a good football team. And I, you know, I hope he's not just blowing smoke saying that to them and, and trying to pump them up falsely, you know, but, I, but yeah, you, know, you say that, you know, they were a good team last year and, and they, things aren't that much different this year. It's, you know, but they've had a harder schedule They've had a few real, real stinkers. Obviously, they have weaknesses that have been exposed this year, but they're not as bad as as they seem to us. A, I think a couple of weeks ago, when when it looked like they were they were getting blown out, kind of almost you know regularly. Uh, there are obviously things wrong, but but there's a there's a a core that's being built. I think that that with a few more pieces and with a little bit better injury luck, if they could ever have that for a change, uh, that, that you know, they're not far from really being able to compete. No, and they do have to fix that offensive line. They do have to address the line. I am one who believes, and it comes back to the draft, you know, if, if, if they are in a situation where they can get the – the tackle from Penn State, Fashanu, or the tackle from Notre Dame, Joe Alt. Um, I think there's really only two two building blocks right now on that offensive line in Andrew Thomas and Schmitz. I I like Evan Neal. Um to me, you know what people have said, oh, why don't you move him inside the guard this year? And I don't know if that's the right thing for the Giants to do in the middle of the season. I do know that the best year he had at Alabama came at left guard. And maybe I don't think that I don't think you move him to guard and move him across the line now, but maybe you do that in the off season. Maybe you do that when he's got an off season and a preseason to, to readjust to the, to the, the left-handed stance, move him inside, draft a right tackle or sign a right tackle in free agency and, and try to build that way. See if that works. But, but I do think they have to figure out some way to play better along the offensive line. And if they can do that, if they can do that, I think this looks a lot better. Is it championship caliber? No, but I think it looks a lot better. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And, and it's funny with all of the problems on the offensive line that the quarterback situation has, has dominated the discussion so much when there are, are two really top, uh, offensive tackles who are probably going to be there for, for the taking in somewhere in the, in the top 10 uh, throw in, by the way, if you want to go yet at another position uh, of need, uh, Marvin Harrison jr. You know, and let's just say that the giants don't get one or two uh, that they get pick number three or four or five or something like that. Then, then between Marvin Harrison jr. And the two tackles that you mentioned, uh, they, the Giants could get themselves a potentially great player with that first round draft pick and maybe try to pick up quarterback with their early second round pick or package the early second round pick with the later second round pick that they got from Seattle 
to move back into the first round and get one of the other quarterbacks. And you, you know, you might be able to hit you know, two of those positions at once with, with possibly premier players. So they, they've got options to fix things. They just, I think, I think those are the places they, they have to look between, between tackle wide receiver and quarterback. That's what they've got to do early in the, in the draft, I believe. Absolutely. Tony. Absolutely. Well, I think, uh, I think that we have prattled on long enough for today uh, Giants fans, thank you as always for listening. Please stay safe out there, take care of each other, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.